Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. Hey, Carlos. How are you? All good, all good. Uh, I was trying to be funny and log in from my laptop using like the developer tools, but that also didn't work. So I, I gave up and got, and got my phone. <laughs> nah, we all we were just talking about it. We get, we know Twitter Spaces has to add desktop. <laughs> like, they do, man, because so use- they do because it's a pain. He has to be holding the phone. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. I'm about to actually put in my pods and and see. If- what the quality sounds like it's yeah it's so much nicer to just be able to kind of be moving about not to just kind of sit holding your phone the whole time yeah otherwise i'm on my airpods no no issues how are you all doing well doing good how are you how how are you liking the crypto discounts (laughs) we're loving the discounts man (laughs) we're we're having like black friday (laughs) I'm in the process of potentially buying a uh, a house, but I'm thinking instead of just buying a house, I could just buy the dip and do a you know, who, who needs a house right now? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the uh, it, it, it's looking nice. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm somebody who's like who DCAs, um, I'm not like too big on trading, um, so I appreciate anytime like there's a dip to load up on. Yeah, I, I don't trade at all. I mean, as a personal practice, I just DCA into coins that I think are stocks. Yeah, I just, I know my strengths. I'm a better investor than I am a trader, and I recognize that. And so that's just what I stick with. Sorry, I lost you there. What did you say? No, basically, I was just saying I know my lane. And tra- <laughs> I, I know my weakness, and, and trading is not a strong suit. Um, I just haven't put time to develop it. So I prefer like investing and, and doing like the deep dives and the fundamentals. Well, tra- trading is really not most people's suit. And that's something that people in crypto don't like to hear a lot. But um, you do see that most traders lose money. And the few that don't are often because of some lucky event. Uh, so in general, you're just better off by DCAing and, and by researching quality projects. That's, I mean, that's always what I believe. So someone's, of course, probably tagging me and telling me I'm an idiot right now. No, I mean, hey, like, it's been working for me. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, granted, you know, maybe it's a little bit slower, but that's fine. Slow and steady. Well, <laughs> slow and steady to the street as well. Uh, if you're going to lose money like this, you're not going to lose it all at once as if you were trading. Yeah, I mean, I've made some money in trading, but I feel like the assets I've, hold, I've held the longest are the ones that are the, the clear winners uh, over time. But yeah, I, I'm trading crypto, so it's kind of gambling it's literal it's literally gambling yeah. i mean i i mean the, the financial fiat system has managed to romanticize trading or to have 
all of us have a romantic idea of it, but it's it's basically gambling, and that's the the people that are pro traders either go to funds or they go to casinos, but there's really not that much of a difference there. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree. There's with a house that. in both in both <laughs> both sides. There's always a house, whether it's you're at the casino or the traditional markets. There's a house that comes in and sweeps up. Right, exactly. Yeah, and both I think you can uh sorry. I, I think you can hop like from narrative to narrative, right? Or like if you, you can try and predict the narratives and tr- and trade that way. So like that's really what I personally try and do is I'm not like trading every day, but I might be moving things like every month, you know. So if you read the books by Taleb, uh particularly the black swan. Uh, the, the guy used to be a pro trader, and he made most most of his money betting on on unlikely events. So, like, he made a lot of money when COVID hit. He made a lot of money in the two thousand and eight crash and in the crash before that. And he basically loses money every single year, but wins big whenever whenever there's a huge market crash and though these strategies do work and do work pretty well and they help keep people out of ruin for a good reason and i'm just going to contradict what i just said before that's why smart people wouldn't go to casinos they go to public markets because in the casinos pretty much your gains are capped right so uh, as I mean, and in the opposite hand, you don't really have a cap of how much you can earn if you make a good trade or if Bitcoin goes to the sky or if you short something that just goes to zero, you have unlimited possible gains. But you have you have to assess your risk. So <laughs> don't trust me on anything that I say about trading. Trust this guy. These books are excellent. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think out of everyone I know, um, I maybe know less than like a handful of really good traders that are consistently profitable. So it definitely takes a unique skill set to to master it. And uh, the guys that I know are really successful. They've lost a lot of money in the process learning how to trade. Right. So you just have to make that commitment to be like, oh, I'm going to lose X amount, or you know, st- stick with it for a long period of time before you truly uh adapt and, and learn the, and learn the skill set like anything else no i i mean like that you know everyone's gonna tell you about their games no one's gonna tell you about their else yeah yeah that's true i i post some of my else <laughs> <laughs> not 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 uh not the best not the best l's but uh <laughs> It's uh, it's all part of the journey, you know. I think uh, everyone comes into crypto; they're all hyped to make these like crazy, you know, crazy gains. And um, like you said, there's a lot of romance um, around the space. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a It's definitely the wild west. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff um, happen just on CT, you know, with different individuals. Yeah, ch- chasing green candles and playing with leverage are two of the quickest ways to go broke in crypto, I feel like. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and that, like <laughs> what your grandma will tell you, right? Like you, you don't you don't borrow money to gamble. 
<laughs> yeah, that's really some, good advice. Some people do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of any. Possibly even on the stage. Who yeah, knows? possibly even here. <laughs> but, but positively, a bunch of people listening to this, to this do. Hopefully not. No, I don't yeah. go gambling. I go winning. Um, but, yeah, definitely don't trade with leverage. Someone just yeah, 100 yeah. that, and yeah, 100 that. Uh, I, I, I jumped in right to talk about trading because I was listening to you guys chat before this. Um, do you want to do something like an intro or something, or should we just keep on on this, <laughs> on this lane? Yeah, we can get that with your intros. Uh, my name is Mewtwo, and I'm the founder of The Base Space. Uh, Carlos, for a little background, it's kind of just, I had early access to, to Twitter spaces, right? Right when they right when it was released, so it just started as like a casual space, like hanging out with friends that I'd made over crypto Twitter, and then slowly grew into a show, uh, more of like an educational platform. So we like to bring on projects, VCs, you know, research funds like yourself to kind of just educate the community and um, provide a provide a cool space for that. Um, and I'm joined with my two ho- co-hosts, Jason Superhigh. Jason, you want to go first? Yeah, no, I mean. I- not a long introduction on my end, um, but Carlos, nice to meet you, uh, Chase here. Nice to meet you, dude. Nice to meet you as well, Carlos. I'm super. Uh, was in early with uh, with Mewtwo on the space. We were just chilling in a in a chat. Mewtwo wanted to run with some educational content, and I said, "Let's go with it." Um, and and now we're here. You know, we've been blessed to bring on a ton of uh, protocols in the space and. Darb, he's listening right here too. Darb helps us a lot with our um, our editing and uploading. And um, Chase is super big on uh, our research and coming up with the questions as well and helping with the interview. So we've got a pretty solid team here. And it you know it just started from people chilling in uh, Twitter Spaces. Cool. Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I love the format of Twitter Spaces. I, I love how Twitter just woke up one day and decided to destroy Clubhouse. Uh, oh, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's like the beauty of like the tech industry. It's like once you have the network, you can just pivot and offer different products within your services of your network. And it's just any sort of competition just kind of gets thrown, thrown to the wayside. But, but it's, it's just so nice to have it right here on Twitter, right? Like that's what uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people must be sad about their clubhouse investment or something. But uh, in, in Twitter, it just makes so much more sense, man, because then your personal platform is right here. I, I wanted to join from the course Twitter because I see that a couple of guys are already following me. Uh, you should actually go follow the That's where you would find like the cooler stuff. Um, I just don't have that one logged in on my app and I don't have the password here. I have it in my office. Uh, but yeah, just as an intro for people that might not know me, I I work with Decor, which is a crypto research firm. We publish reports on crypto projects that are public and they're free. And they're pretty high quality, if you ask me. And we just basically do that. We, we have a decentralized engine for to generate reports on crypto projects and we sell those to anyone that might be interested but we also publish some of those for free on the interwebs so we we create so some of our clients are crypto exchanges crypto projects themselves that want to find like their strengths and weaknesses platforms in crypto in general that want to know what kind of projects to list as well as, as of course like capital institutions that may want to 
to research projects or they may want just to be fed with projects that they might find interesting. Um, as a part of this, uh, we, we also publish a bunch of articles. I run a podcast that I host. It's called Blockchain People, or you can just find it at you can just find it as Decor. And we've been happy, such as you guys, I started on lockdown and been really lucky to have some very cool guests guests very early on. Like on YouTube, I guess we're like 700 or some, and something subscribers, but we've had some cool guests and there are some, I would say, even cooler ones coming. So really encourage everyone to go follow that. And that's the end of my shield. <laughs> Do you have a, a a Twitter post for that so we can go and throw up in the top while uh, while we have the chat? Uh, sorry, you were explaining your podcast. Do you have a a tweet that has all the information in it that we can just throw up at the top of the space? Hmm. Yeah. How, how, how do we do that? <laughs> I've never hosted spaces before, so I don't know how that dynamic looks like. Oh, you're good. I I can add it. Um, if you just want to DM it to me while we're while we're uh, talking. Okay. Cool. I will. Uh, I'll send you. I'll send you the link to to our YouTube channel. That works. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Following super and the end. All right. So yeah, whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm I'm all have up for anything. Yeah, Carlos. Um, I'm curious as well. Like, how'd you how'd you actually like get started in the crypto space? In the crypto space. Um, I got hired by a marketing agency in Cyprus. And this was the worst job of my life. <laughs> this was ICO marketing. So it was pretty cringy. Um, this was a, actually like my first ever experience with Bitcoin. I've heard of Bitcoin like in 2009. Nah. That, that might be too early, but I would say 2011, I heard of Bitcoin and I always thought it was like, kind of like a dumb idea, um, <laughs> how the how the turntables. Um, and, and so I got hired by this ICO marketing agency in Cyprus and I just lied my way through the interviews. I told them that I was like basically this crypto expert and they flew me in and then the job sucked. <laughs> Who knew that people that hire unexperienced people are bad employers. Um, but um, through all that, I did manage to meet a lot of really high quality people in the Cyprus crypto scene. I was disenchanted with crypto for obvious reasons, but started doing social media management for a crypto news site to be able to pay the bills. And eventually Decor came along and that's when I fell in love with crypto again. Sounds kind of corny, isn't it? But um, I just found that I really love the research in the tech and I really loved all the applications of blockchains uh, aside from the monetary front, which is interesting, of course, but like there are some so many use cases in politics, in in just community management and not in the social media sense, but like in the way of organizing people and it's well, yeah. Blockchain are blockchains are basically political tools, so that's why I fell in love with. I are you uh, are you really big into like political science? Not really. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say not really. I would say not at all. But um, I, I just find it very fascinating that 
you know, people always say that Bitcoin solved that Byzantine general problem. And that doesn't really mean much when you just say it like that. But what Bitcoin did and what blockchains do is that they created a way for people to to core to have streamlined incentives in a digital way. And that's super powerful because then there's all kinds of applications and also like another common place that people use is that blockchains are represent ideologies. Most of them pretty much look the same, but you do can create blockchains that represent different ideologies. And that's pretty fascinating as well, because when you can coordinate incentives, you can coordinate people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I would also add in there too, that blockchain, you know, being fully transparent really helps with that coordination and, and building of trust. Yeah, exactly. Or even like doing anything, doing something completely trustless, like tools like Monero, for example, which I'm really fascinated with. Um, they have an ideology of their own. They have incentives of their own and no one really needs to trust anything. Um, so somewhat, and, and that's why I say these are political tools because if you go deep down, of course, it's all people, but what unites these people is that they have a common incentive and this incentive is perfectly transparent. Yeah, yeah. We are, we're really, really big on like memes and, you know, the meme communities and um, just community in general and in crypto is, is so powerful. Um, as we've seen with like, you know, Shib, Doge, like the Link Marines, you know, all these different groups, you know, Soul has like their whole community around these projects. Um, and it's just, it's just really fascinating to me, at least all the different subcultures that have kind of formed within like, you know, crypto Twitter in general. Um, and and they all have like their own, you know, interesting quirks and uh, uh, kind of, you know, uh, sayings and um, I guess even language to a certain extent, right? Um, and just the, like the psychology around um, how those cultures have formed and, and the impacts that they have on, you know, the entire crypto space as a whole is, is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, and for example, I mean, you, 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 nothing uni unites people more than holding the same shit coin. <laughs> you, you go by, you, you go to Telegram channels of really small cap projects, and these people talk like they've been best friends forever, and none of them have their picture in their avatars. They all know each other by. That's probably your case as well guys <laughs> i'm guessing that you also like only know each other like through nicknames and avatars and that's pretty cool because that's another expression of ourselves isn't it yeah yeah i think it's i think it's super dope it's it's kind of weird like you know Stinky like, agrees. Yeah. <laughs> never uh never met a lot of people that i talk to like almost every day um on crypto twitter but um Maybe someday. Hey, if everyone, if anyone's in uh, going to ETH Denver, let me know. I'll probably be there. Just look for the giant Pokemon. That's <laughs> hey, super maybe that, that sweatshirt. Dude, what a what a random Pokemon story. Sure. 
I actually like when I was like 14, I shit you not like I, I, I swear this on like the grave of my grandmother. Uh, I managed to catch a shiny crypto Mewtwo on Pokemon Leaf Green uh, just by, by just by running out of Pokeballs every time I entered the damn cave. So eventually the thing turned out shiny and I did catch it. That was like uh, my most valuable possession through my like early years. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I st- I uh, never had a shiny Mewtwo, but that would have been so dope. <laughs> Yeah, I think the only shiny Pokemon I had is a shiny Geodude, and it was on, I think it was on Diamond. But yeah, it's, that doesn't compare to a shiny Mewtwo. Can, can anyone tell me find what the chances of getting a shiny Mewtwo are? It's gotta be rare. <laughs> it's gotta be rare, bro. It's gotta be super rare. It's gotta be rare. <laughs> and, you know, and then, of course, because I was fourteen, I ended up erasing that, uh, yeah, that game, uh, because I wanted to start all over again, and I lost my shiny Mewtwo. <laughs> oh man, um, Carlos, kind of pivoting back uh, to decor um, and just research in general. Um, would love to get your perspective on like why research is so important um, in the crypto industry and. Um, you know, where, where research kind of fits in, uh, into crypto as a whole. Hmm. So obviously like do your own research, no financial advice, all these are memes for a reason, right? Like there are things that, that you have to do 100% if you, if you want to be successful. Um, and also if you want to learn how to spot opportunities, but in general, of course, going through the most basic, like we all get to crypto because we want to make money, right? And we stay for the same reason or for other reasons, but that's what brings us in. So if you want to really make money, you have to know how to research projects because you have to know which projects are going to be successful in the long term and which projects are going to be successful from or which projects have a big chance of success when they're still small, right? You you make a killing by either finding things that are worthwhile and betting on them long term, or by finding things that are going to explode. And well, the only way to do this is to research, because you you really cannot trust anyone in the internet. Like every project's got a marketing team. Every project's got paid PR, every project's got paid influencers. So whatever you read on the internet, you should assume that it's bullshit and then just do your own research and go from there. Um, and that's just basically why research is so important. And of course, Decor is an, a firm that works in research and we, saw, we source research from researchers all over the world, but we compile it and we have this system that was designed by scientists to assign um, a numerical value to each characteristic of a project uh, so that we can rank and rank them. And most projects won't even rank above 50% of the total score. And that's fine, they can still make good, they can still be worthwhile investing. Um, in fact, a lot of projects that have scored like 50% in our system have made a 3000x. But um, 
you you have to you have to understand research to be able to tell this because nothing is perfect right so that, that that's like the long-winded answer but if you find 900 projects probably none of them are going to be perfect so you have you have to know how to weed out which one is non-perfect but has potential and yeah which one is pure shit <laughs> Yeah, and Carlos, like whenever you're starting this process, whether it's for um, decor or just kind of your own maybe investment uh, thesis, like what what is your personal checklist or criteria that you consider whenever you're considering an investment in one of these protocols or projects? There are different types of criteria that you can use. I'm very much subscribed to. There's this book, and it's a bit simplistic but it's a very good start it's called the star system i i think it's not system it's the principle the star principle by by richard koch and this guy he basically says and that is of the whole book if your project can exist in a high growth niche so like in a niche that's growing very fast and dominated that's your that's your stars that, that's what you should bet on and of course there are niches that grow fast and there are new niches so let's just give a quick example using the star system what you would bet on on the smart contract chain niche that would be ethereum because that's the dominating one and the stars principle says that that's the one you should bet on because over time it's going to end up overperforming the other just by sheer network effects or whatever comes to it. Now, you might say, okay, but Ethereum might still be beaten by Polkadot, Cardano, all that. That's where your smartness, smartness <laughs> enters the, sorry, I'm Mexican, um, enters, the, enters the game, right? So if you think that you have found a dominating project, but there are chances of other others overtaking it, then you might as well place some smaller bets on the other ones, uh, which is what I personally do. I personally have most of my crypto investments in Ethereum when it comes to smart contract chains. But I do place some smaller bets on Solana, on Cardano, on Tesos, because I think if any of those ends up overtaking Ethereum, I can still be exposed to positive gains. And market market caps still do tell you that quite easily. Like you don't have to be a genius to know how much you should weigh your bets in that regard. But yeah, mostly the the star principle. So there are as many niches as, as you can imagine, right? There's the niche of lending protocols, there's the niche of oracles there's a niche of privacy chains and so so on and so forth gotcha. and I, and I may have missed it the the star method i'm assuming that's an acronym right mm. it's what, so what is like what, what is the star like what, what does each one kind of stand for no it's, it's not an acronym at all uh, oh it's not oh, okay the, the star it, it literally means a star um, because there used to be this very, also very simplistic diagram where you could classify companies. So there would be four kinds of companies. 
and you can sort of like imagine them in a grid so in a two by two grid so the star is the top right it's the project that is the dominating project and that is in high growth niche then i'm trying to remember the rest of them so yeah the second one is the uh, the second best so like the top left that's the um, question mark so your question mark is a project that is in a high growth niche but you don't know if it's gonna end up dominating it that's like your cardano in this case uh, it's second or following the first in a high growth niche and the beauty about crypto is like all niches are growing fast so that's pretty cool for us um we get that going for ourselves like and you can also see that in like tech stocks there are a lot of companies that are just in very high growth niches um the bottom left no the bottom right would be a dog so like the dog is always just trailing and that's what you don't want to have you don't want to have second you don't want to have number twos or number threes or number fours in little growth niches so like in niches that are not growing very fast you don't want to have projects that are not the top one and then on the on your bottom left you have the cow so like your cows are like the coca-colas of the world or like the walmarts of the world they're not really niches that are growing super fast but they're still the top projects so they're quote-unquote like a safe source of income that does like why it started like it's part of these four figures gotcha yeah that's uh that's really interesting i'm gonna have to look into that a little bit more um kind of like going off that and using that method uh for your for yourself like are there any projects right now or even trends that uh really interest you i i mean and to be to be fair like this method is the beginning right like this is the first thing you want to assess whether your project is creating a new niche or if it has any good chances of leading a niche. Um, then of course you have to go and figure out whether it has chances to lead it, where is, which is where tokenomics, team, their marketing strengths, which is super important, the technology and the product market fit come in, right? That's where you determine whether a project can lead a niche. Um, of about projects that I'm looking at right now, look, I wouldn't tell you to go look at projects that I don't invest in. So <laughs> what what I often do is that I invest in every project that decor that the decor engine ra rates over fifty percent. So because I've found through our data that that's what's best in general. Projects under fifty have in general a good chance of returns, at least if we go by our history, non-financial advice, of course, uh, and projects under 50 rarely do well in the real world. So th that's a good measure that I use. And thanks to it, I've invested in a bunch of cool projects, such as like the Panther Protocol, Flare, uh, Credo, that's another cool one that has uh, done surprisingly well recently. Uh, the Octopus Network. What, what else has have I invested on recently? Bonded Finance. So yeah, <laughs> I, I know you guys because of Bonded Finance, actually. Um, 
the, those are projects that I think have a good chance of becoming leaders or doing very well in a new niche. Yeah, um, Carlos, I'm curious like about the engine. Can you talk to us a little bit more about like what that what that process looks like? Like for example, if you want to you know write a report around Solana, for example, like how many researchers are you guys pulling in uh, to like form to form your conclusion? And like, how does the final report actually get like put out? And maybe you could talk a little bit more about about that that process of actually, you know, from start to finish of creating a, a report. Yeah, of course, that's a great question. I am. Um, I have the, the. I've been lucky enough to be in the core from very early on, and I can tell that right now is the strongest the engine's ever been. Um, so basically it all starts with our council or with our core team so the core team decides which uh, which projects to research fed also by the engine so the engine guys have a say on which projects um, they want us to research but in the end it comes down to what we think it's best to to generate a good report on um, and let's say we we choose a project let's call that like you said, Solana, let's go with that. Uh, so we choose Solana to report on, and we upload all the relevant resources for Solana to the engine so that we can tell researchers where they should be sourcing their info, although they have a great, uh, they have all the liberty in the world to go look for info elsewhere, as well as try and contact the team. Uh, a lot of them actually do talk to the teams, and that's how some of our interviews are born, actually. Mm. then the researchers and this is like the beauty of the engine the researchers only answer a set amount of questions so let's say one question could be do the core members of the team of solana have ever participated in a fraudulent project or in a scam and that's something that's very easy to determine whether it's true or false and there are other answers that can be rated more true or less true in like say in a one to 10 scale. So, and the point of doing all of these through separate questions is to give us an idea of how the, of how we can assign, sorry, how we can assign number ratings to all of these answers to compile a final score. So if you go to a DECO report, in the end, there are all the categories the project is ranked on, such as social media and virality, tokenomics, product market fit, technology, team, etc. And you, you see that all of them have different ratings and all their ratings are weighted to come up with a final score. Uh, if anyone listening to this is interested in becoming a researcher, uh, our researchers actually get compensated um for doing their tasks especially if their answers make it to the final report or if some project that they propose to the engine makes it to be made into a report or even invested on that's pretty cool if you want to if anyone wants to take a look at that you can go to decor.net slash researcher that'd be d-core.net slash researcher we're always looking up for for new guys and like I'd say, right now, the engine is at its highest quality. 
Um, and th this is a pro th this is information that is sourced from all over the world, right? And Decor is a startup. As such, the I would say the compensations are not incredibly high. But for anyone that would be wanting to earn some bucks by learning how to research projects like a professional, this is definitely this is a no-brainer. I wish I had participated in something like the Decor Engine when I was just learning about crypto. Yeah, very cool. I know a lot of our listeners are super passionate about crypto, and we we definitely uh, get a lot of people that are looking to get into the space, you know, find a job. So that, that's a great resource for people to, to explore and just get started. That's awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, I, I really, I really love what Decor does. I'm just the count, the content guy, and somewhat have become like the public face of the of Decor through the podcast. But um, the true, the true OGs and the true geniuses are the the guys running the research side of the of the company. I really, I really love what they do. I really love how better the reports are getting. Uh, the reports are free as well, so another shield. You can go to decor.net slash research and see the reports. And if you subscribe to our newsletter, you'll be notified every time we put out a new one. They're all 100% free for you. I'm actually curious, does Decor actually hold any underlying crypto assets or um, is it strictly kind of research only? No, so Decor, Decor does have a lot of skin in the game because... Uh, Decor is the brainchild of KMG Capital Markets, which is a which is a capital fund firm. Um, so yeah, obviously, like the main goal of having a research engine, apart from producing high quality research and that is self sustainable, is to feed good tips to the to the underlying fund. So you bet that we do investing projects. And, and some even like I would add at um, so sometimes even in difficult stages. So for example, we just we just did a very good report on this project. It's called Aleph Zero, and they're not even listed in any exchanges. So you have to go through Telegram OTC groups, and you you can imagine how <laughs> how hard that is. Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredibly challenging. I know. You know, the three of us are always trying to find gems or, or do research on projects. Um, you know, with these projects that have like very limited information, like do you have any tips or or pointers for kind of finding finding resources or, or learning more? Um, because for myself, like what I found is, like you said, like the Telegram groups and the Discord, just like talking to the team members um, is a really good way to learn about the projects. Um, and one thing I like to do, Carlos, is actually like ask them about their roadmap, write it down in my notebook and try to get them to, you know, tell me dates or, you know, uh, commitments that they're going to be doing um, and then kind of follow up, right? Like, hey, are they actually like tracking to the, to the roadmap that, that they said that they were going to be doing? Are they fulfilling the commitments that they said? Because like, like you said earlier in the conversation, anyone can create a website, anyone can create great marketing, um, but it's really like the actions of the team that are gonna speak a lot louder than, you know, the words that they're posting. 
um, you know, on their website or, you know, on their Discord channel, like hyping everyone up. Mm -hmm. Actually, like, <laughs> that's an old Silicon Valley saying that you do not want <laughs> to invest in people that know how to write business plans just because the, the building and yeah, creating business plans, creating pretty website, pretty business cards uh, are not really the same skill, are they? So often what's best and you do not obviously get the best returns by doing this, but at least you get a sense of where you're standing at is by looking at MVPs, right? At minimum, minimum viable products. So, because if a project is able to put out something like that, you do have an idea that they are, well, that they're skilled in some sense, right? That there's something to their words. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you guys find that because like you're a research firm that you have access to those or like for the average, like everyday investor, do you have any tips for getting like more hands-on with the project or, um, you know, <laughs> kind of navigating into the into the weeds, I guess, in a sense, uh, to kind of see what they have going on uh, behind the scenes. Because that's that's always been a struggle with me. It's like a lot of projects uh, won't mention names, but you know, you ask them questions and so forth. They don't want to give you any answers. You know, like they're very vague. Um, it's just it's just hard to assess. Um, you know, even, even when like a friend or something comes to me and they're like, Hey, really, really excited about this project. I think you should check it out, but there's not like the team isn't very friendly. There's not much information, um, online. It's just kind of hard to gauge if like, this is a place that I should really even be putting my capital. And most of the time I just wind up walking away. Uh, but in a few cases, like these projects have popped off, they've been really popular, um, and grown tremendously. So you kind of have any any pointers there around how to um, you know dig dig in and get and get these projects to to share more information. Well, if you if you don't have anything that if projects don't have anything to show for directly, your best your second best thing you can do is to see who trusts them. So often, like a good project would have a list of who the investors are, who uh, ideally very early stage investors, angels, seeds, seed investors. That That's a good place. You have to see who the partners are and to check if the partnerships are really partnerships. So a lot of projects, for example, would list Chainlink or Polygon as partners. That's just an example. Um, and they might not actually be partnered with them. They might just be using their products. Uh, which is like saying you use email, right? <laughs> if you say that you are partnered with Chainlink because you use Chainlink's Oracle, yeah, you might as well say that you're partnered with the internet. Um, but um, that, that's like a long way of saying it. And then if you still do not find anything, you should consider a red flag. And if take if you take that as a red flag, as you should, then you're, you have to weigh that against everything else that you can find. Um, to determine how big or how small your bet should be. I would say that some people believe, uh, I, don't, I don't have any data to back this up, but some people believe that more bets in crypto is just better than making quality bets. 
I do not necessarily believe this, but I, I could see how this could be true for some people. Uh, so it, it could actually be worthwhile for you to invest in a bunch of projects as long as they're legit. Um, the other way around, of course, that is going by the star principle and try and find like the very, very high quality ones. Yeah, and actually, yeah. Um, I'm Chase. actually curious, like right now, like with like, you know, obviously the, the current state of the market is a little um, shaky, but just generally speaking, are you bucketing trends together? Like, are you looking at stuff uh, through the lens of GameFi, DeFi, machine fi um just generally like how are you staying on top of this like constantly evolving landscape mm, yeah that is super challenging i i would say that i'm lucky to to be exposed to a bunch of projects because the researchers in the engine propose some projects the the people in the in decor propose some projects and we get to take a look at some of them and then for for other places that I'm looking at, so like if some coin gets listed for for a DeFi protocol that I'm looking at or that I'm interested on, if a new partner or partner arrives, that's some place to start looking. But there, there's definitely no way to keep in touch with everything. You have to to sort of follow your interests, and you might even sometimes be late to invest in a project. I would say. For example, I consider that I jumped very late on Torchain. But if if you wait your bet enough, well enough, and you think that there is enough of a possibility of success, you might see some good gains down the road, right? So you do not necessarily have to find everything super early. So do you uh, do you subscribe to the future of like tokenizing everything, in which? Uh... You know, we're going to have protocols just like as we're seeing in DeFi, disruptive finance industry. We're going to have insurance be disrupted. And you're going to have tokens for insurance protocols right. and you're going to have mortgage and you're going to have commodities and you're going to have, you know, real estate. Just really just kind of any industry um, that can be disrupted by tech. Do you see that kind of tokenization of everything or do you think we're see um, this like fad of tokenizing everything kind of die out and we may just kind of have like, you know, uh, a few main protocols that have tokens. Mm. Personally, personally, again, I don't have any data to back this up, but but I just feel like tokenizing everything would be a disservice to everyone because you cannot deal with so many tokens in your mind, right? And then if you have fluctuating prices, you don't want um, your food price to be fluctuating one way and your insurance price to be going that way and your salary to be fluctuating in another way. That's just too much for the average person to to think of. So what, what I do think we might see is that we might see blockchains being implemented invisibly in a lot of things. And that's where I would bet my money on, on things that can continue to exist, even if people do not know that they're using them. Uh, chain link, Chase, <laughs> in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The chain, chain link is a good one. Uh, I do have a, a good size investment in chain link because I don't think that's going anywhere. 
Um, also, things that are very immediately useful. Uh, that I, I have a good size investment in Monero as well for that, because I do see that a lot of people know that what they would go to Monero for, and that's always an option. So that's something that I keep open. Uh, Ethereum, of course, is a good case of this because it's a chain that's meant to be used invisibly, even if right now <laughs> with the transaction fees is quite visible. And well, yeah, that, this kind of thing. Yeah, we, you can put uh, other examples. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're all definitely very bullish and and uh, on Chainlink a lot. A large part of our community is uh, a lot of Link Marines. Um, I think a lot of this, the way we view it, is it's, it's just a leverage bet on this entire industry succeeding. Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware. You know, without having a an Oracle solution, um, it's really hard to kind of scale all these complex use cases of the future that people are dreaming up actively and then actively even building out right now that we're seeing like in the DeFi space. Um, none of that innovation is possible without an Oracle. So I, I believe so as well. And you have to think Chainlink is the undoubted leader of the Oracle space. But if you're bullish on Oracles as a whole, and I believe that you should be, then you have to try and look at the niche and with your knowledge, being a Chainlink fan and all that, you, you might be able to do so very well and figure out, okay, what are the new sub-niches that are being born in the Oracle niche? And who are the likely leaders of those niches? Because there's got to be at least one place where Chainlink is in the best option possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that I've found that a lot of people are confused about is that they think that Chainlink is kind of like um, the one company that's providing all these data feeds, but really it's just kind of a open source framework for a decentralized collective of node providers to provide data um, to execute on these smart contracts. And so the one thing I really like about Chainlink is that you see these integrations happening. And once you start looking into these protocols that are integrating to Chainlink, you get like kind of like this like tip of the spear look at where innovation is heading in this space. Like one, one of the companies that we had brought on was like Realty and they were integrated into Chainlink. And right now they're working on uh, tokenizing real estate and having, uh, you know, it'd be like a wrapped LLC of like a property. And then they'll, they'll distribute out like 5,000 coins and you can buy those coins in each uh, or token. Each token is a claim to rent revenue on that property. Really? Interesting. So, yeah, so it's, it's just really cool kind of being on the tip of the sphere and seeing these early integrations and seeing kind of like potential entirely new sectors within the crypto industry like spring up and, and you're kind of seeing that at the ground floor. So um, another thing that we did a report on, it's this project called Lithium Finance. And we actually did a live uh, review of their report with their CEO. We often, we sometimes do those. Um, and what Lithium is, it's basically a tool to price non-liquid assets on the blockchain. So your chaining, for example, that can be very good to get price feeds on coins. It can be very good to provide that kind of info. But one ha what happens when things are off-chain or when they're illiquid? Uh, you need a decentralized way to produce a reliable oracle for the price 
of let's say a company or a house or you know the things that are not liquid and the and which is value has a lot of unique properties so that's an interesting project i don't, I don't know if they're a star really i didn't invest in them uh but i did like the concept of what they're doing and i do think that they could establish a niche and if they're successful that well that could be a, that could be a good buy and that, that's just one example of an, an additional niche in the space yeah no that's uh that's super interesting and this is kind of uh top of mind for me right now just because of where i'm at in my life but i'm just thinking about you know as we see the tokenization of like say like real estate right now right like sometimes real estate isn't the most liquid asset i mean it's a it's a great asset to have but you know sometimes it could take you know 30 days 60 days 90 days to actually sell um so i'm actually really curious like what does the real estate market look like in the future if you have on-demand liquidity for these like tokenized wrapped assets of like real tangible property? Like, would that make, you know, real estate actually more uh, attractive as an investment property? And, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing just real estate kind of just boom. Um, so it's really interesting, like with this particular solution, uh, it seems like maybe real estate could be something that, uh, they could potentially work on on providing liquidity for for that, that's really interesting i don't look at real estate ever uh but it's just not where i'm at i'm a bit of a nomad so i never i'm a rent maximalist um what i'm trying to say here is that you're probably gonna have some version of representation of that value on chain right because like you said, it's a market that's always booming. There's always opportunities there. There's money for sure. There's innovation fueled by them by that money. So I'm sure we'll we'll probably see something along the lines of what you just said. Yeah, you uh, you may have to talk with Mewtwo. I think Mewtwo's got a nomad bug. Um, I think he's looking <laughs> to go fully nomad. I think next year. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm selling everything, Carlos. I'm uh, I'm just gonna be traveling around. I'm. Uh... I'm done being in, stuck in one place. On oh, I heard about it. Well, yeah. What was your first destination? Oh, man. I th I'm thinking about going to Miami first. Um, I think that that'd be a lot of fun. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like hop around the U.S. for a little bit. And then after that, I want to go to Europe um, and then go to Asia. So um, we'll, see, we'll see where the adventure goes. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to do something new and exciting. And, um, you know, I think in the, in this day and age, if guys, if you can find the full remote job, uh, like you don't need to be pinned down in, in one location. So, so why not? Man, I, I've been doing remote work for what now? Uh, six years. Um, it's been the best decision of my life. I, I would never regret that. And I've traveled a lot through through South America mostly, but also some of Europe. And I would say, if you want to come backpacking South America, you're from the States, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you, you don't know how far uh, poverty level goes in in Latin America. Like if you, I believe that if you earn below, 2500 in the us you're below poverty level that's rich and that makes you a rich person in most latin american countries um that's very close to home 
So that's a very asymmetric bet. I I would really encourage you to backpack through South America, man. Yo, let's go. I yeah, I think I think with it like just being involved in crypto, for example, like there's so many conferences, there's so many opportunities, there's so many people that we can network and and meet along the way. And yeah, man, I, I uh, definitely want to make it out to South America. I mean, we've had people from Africa come on uh, the space before, just like casually. And what are they saying? Like their salary was like $1 or something a day. Like, yeah. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Like when you start thinking about other countries, like what they're actually making every day. Um, and now being able to like play crypto games and make a living off of that full time. Like, it's it's insane where the space is going and all the opportunities it's it's opening up for people and kind of those um you know other countries that uh where they where they couldn't where they wouldn't traditionally have those type of you know opportunities for wealth yeah no, it's a uh, i mean the asymmetry is huge the best decision financial decision of my life was to decide that i wanted to earn in dollars uh, whatever that would look like, uh, just because your dollar value goes a long way in Mexico. Um, and that leads you places, man. And like you said, right now it's very easy to network. I'm sure you guys have made some amazing connections from doing this show, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've met some incredible people, uh, from the show. And, uh, you know, I, I think, it's, it's kind of a hobby, you know, for us, but I would love to just like be able to go out and, and meet people from the show in person. I think that that would be like a whole nother level. Um, you know, I love, I love remote and it's, it's great, but um, like, that's why I'm really pumped about like East Denver or being able to go out to different places or like, I wish I was able to go to like Lisbon for the, for the conference or um, someone just invited me to go out to a crypto conference in Spain. Like I want to be able to, you know, go those places and there's just something still really special about meeting people in person versus, uh, you know, over, over the, the metaverse, or, you know, the digital, the digital world we live in. Yeah, definitely. Um, not, a. Oh, have you, <laughs> I'm looking at chase here because you've got the VR guy on your, on your avatar. Have you tried the Facebook Oculus? I have. Dude, that shit's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, um, the way I look at it right now. It's like it's in the uh, Sega form of what it's going to be over the next like five, five-ish years, maybe ten years. Um, I think what's really going to be crazy is the AR glasses. You know, whenever it's like, whenever you start having tangible furniture and paintings in your home replaced by software code that's projected through AR glasses. Um, I think that's going to be crazy. And I, I think that's going to put a whole nother level. Like you guys are nomads, right? So like imagine paying, um, you know, like $3, $5 as a month of a subscription service for having uh, a TV as a service through your AR glasses to where you can sit on your couch, you have your AR glasses on and you have like 80 inch TV uh, projected on your wall that's actually blank. Um, and on top of that, you know, say you have NFTs um, or even paintings, right? But you digitalize those as software and you could have those in your home to where like, you know, pinned to the wall. So whenever you're just walking through your house with your AR glasses on, those exact paintings 
could be where you'd like to have them as if they were there in real life. And, you know, as you up and move, it's kind of, you'd have that portability and that interoperability to where you could just have basically um, objects like that, you know, software is eating the world. And um, I don't know, it's just, it's just crazy, but that's the type of stuff that I think is going to be possible and is going to be a reality over the next five to 10 years when it comes to that type of stuff. Do you think it's going to be exciting or do you think it's going to be a bit depressing? Well, I think at the end of the day, um, technology is a tool, right? So it's, uh, it's however you want to use the tool. And I think it's not for everyone, right? It's like some people will see things like glass half full. Some see it glass half empty. It really just kind of depends on who you are as a person, like what you find interesting. Like, you know, if you're a nomad, right? Like you may think that would be like awesome to have all that just tucked away in your AR glasses to where you don't have to worry about like moving all that stuff. Um, like I, I recently bought a TV. Um, I even buy a bit, well, somewhat, but it was like a 55 and I didn't have anyone to help me move it. I'm sitting there trying to like, you know, carry it across the parking garage and carry it up to my place. And it's like, damn, that's, that's a whole struggle. But in the future that could just be software within my AR glasses. And, you know, I, at a snap of the fingers, you know, I could up and move all my uh, belongings that are programs essentially. That, that, that'd be really cool, man. Like imagine if you could like, leave your hard drive like just stored somewhere connected to the internet and go travel around and carry your well yeah carry your all your data with you on your ar classes and they would just scan your retina so that no one can hack you and you have your met your metamask right there yeah that'd be pretty cool you're right yeah you know i, I think it's just one of those things where um it's a lot of change So I could, I can 100% see why people would be very uneasy about that and kind of not like the way that looks. But uh, the way I kind of think about it is, you know, the generation that grew up with the internet, right. Versus the generations that um, were already in their like forties or fifties before the internet kind of came about. Um, they, they look at the world much differently through the lens of their experiences. So I think the younger generations will, you know, more readily adopt that type of technology Um, and us older folks are getting along our way may kind of think like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know about that, but, um, you know, younger generations, they may find it really exciting and, and kind of like a really hopeful future that they can kind of be on the go. Um, I, I do think that is kind of the future. I think as, as a population, I think we're going to be a little bit more nomadic, um, to be honest. Well, what, um, what, what, VR or AR investments uh, would you would you advise people to look at? Oh, not financial advice on this show. Uh, no, just, no just, just look at. Well, we're not uh, saying anyone to recommend anything, but like if you may want to to point out some places. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have um, honestly a ton of traditional uh, stock tips, but I mean, I think the clear the clearest winner right now would be would be Meta. Um, you know, they're 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 pivoting. You know, kind of like going back to our earlier conversation, right? Uh, Twitter is beating out Clubhouse. Well, if you look at why, it's because Twitter already has their network. They already have that network effect, so they can pivot, offer a new product, and they can have that product adopted by their already existing network. So if we're moving to a metaverse and you think about who has the largest network right now, 
that would be metaverse slash Facebook, right? You have Facebook, you have WhatsApp, you have Instagram, and now you have Oculus. So if you offer a new metaverse product um, through AR, VR, and you already have an existing network of 2 billion plus people, um, to me, that kind of really seems like the, the winner, you know, kind of going back to your star method in a way. Uh, do you have any do you have any good psychologists that I can talk to if I invest in Facebook? <laughs> you can come talk to me. I'll charge you. I'll, I'll charge you a small fee. Maybe we can have like a, a, a show and tell type thing. You can slip some research my way and I'll give you some uh, life advice. We can start a support group all together. <laughs> you, go. you know what? We can just have a space. We can just, you know, it can be a support group, Twitter spaces. Coming full circle. Coming <laughs> yeah. full circle, definitely. You guys, uh, you guys should also check out Hololens. Um, I really enjoyed uh, using using the Hololens. Um, it's super cool because it's kind of like AR um, in a sense. Like you can have, you know, like pin screens to walls or uh, pin screens around your desk and stuff. It's fully fully immersive. All right, I'll take I'll take a look at that. I, um, yeah, Oculus for me has been like a, a game changer. I tried it the other day, and now I'm bullish on everything metaverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a really cool demo uh, if you're familiar with the game Minecraft. Um, I don't mm -hmm. believe they ever launched uh, the demo, but uh, like they they were using the Hololens, and like basically they were able to like attached like minecraft to, like a physical table and you're able to like play uh, in the real world um so it's pretty pretty interesting experience but i i just used it for more like work purposes like one of my coworkers had it uh you put it on you just see all these screens around his desk and he has things pinned all over the place and in the real world so it was pretty immersive uh but it's not it's not portable right like you you, you have uh plenty of wires and things attached to it so uh, you're kind of limited to, uh, you know, how far the, the wires reach. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, I will say... That gets in your way. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Carlos. No, uh, no go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I, I think one thing that I really am looking forward to is the um, the first VR slash AR base-based podcast show. So I think what would be, like, really cool is having everyone in the VR where we're kind of in like a studio and even like as an audience member, it's kind of, you're there with us just kind of like in the lounge area, like hanging out with your own avatar, whether it's like the cartoon avatar, or, you know, they're working on realistic avatars where you can have like photo realism. Um, and it would look like an act like you actually in a photo realistic way, not so much in a cartoon way. Um, you know, or if you want to be like a crypto punk, you know, whatever, whatever, however you want to like express, express yourself. But, um, you know, just all of us being in that like completely immersive social experience, like having this type of conversation, um, you know, where you go from kind of just interacting with social media, looking at a screen versus being immersed in the total experience 360. Um, like, I, I think that's like, that's going to be wild. I kind of I look forward to our first episode of doing that. Hey, um, I'm wondering, do you guys have a have like sec another section where we get some like questions or comments from the people listening to this? 
<laughs> we sure do. We usually leave like the last 10 minutes uh, for audience questions. So if you want to transition to that, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was supposed to, it's 9.10 right now. I was supposed to run at 9, but it'd be great to hear from the people listening to this and do like another 10 minutes before we close. Yeah, yeah sure. I'm, I'm totally game. Uh, if anyone from the audience wants to come on, just hit that request button. Let me now, try. Now you know, Carlos, you just, you can't bring up the metaverse or we're just going to go on ramps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there are a couple of decor reports about the metaverse, uh, well, about metaverse projects. So stay tuned to those definitely. Let's go. All right, whoever wants to chat. <laughs> People yeah, are going to come up, ask ask a question. Uh, for your I see I see Darv. I see Jim. I know Jim has a question. <laughs> There she is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Carlos. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> oh, Come on, Jim. Oh, wait. Jim oh, oh. He's teasing us. There it is. Here we go. there yeah we can hear you hi everyone um i have no questions so sorry to to spoil that but just wanted to say it's lovely to to hear direct informational conversation with no bullshit which i'm adding but there's a point to this it's really nice to to listen to to people that have been in this space for a long time or or not for a long time but just to have a general conversation with no pressure and yeah this wasn't a question this was more of a and now we've got loads of people joining because they see that i'm speaking so now now we're in trouble guys but um yeah just hats off to you wonderful i have a question for you how come you have that many followers how are you so famous i literally say what i think i i'm british and i'm a woman that's that's all i've got for you uh, Thank well, you for you, yourself a little short there, Jim. Well, anyway, uh, just, yeah, the, the conversation's been wonderful to hear. I, I think I joined about an hour ago, um, and I know that you record them, um, so hopefully this will be on YouTube so I can catch the beginning, but absolutely brilliant. One of the, the smallest smallest people smallest group of people listening but one of the best ever conversations so yeah hats off to you um i never know how to pronounce your name i know we've spoken for a long time but me me too <laughs> me too me it's a pokemon gem <laughs> uh, well i will give you a golden charizard but yeah <laughs> excellent space thank you oh. Thanks for coming on, Jim. We appreciate you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. It was very nice of you. All right, guys. Anyone else want to say? They want to say hi. You get uh, the Charizard. We'll, we'll get one more try. Yo, I'll totally take a Charizard. That's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm about it. 
That's going I, I'd good. almost prefer oh. prefer Mewtwo though. And uh, trying to get that BGS ten Mewtwo. Yeah, man. I think, How uh, much are you going for? At least fifty. No. <laughs> <laughs> you better be selling some more. Right? I mean, I, no, I feel good. like it has to be at least fifty. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably, man. All right, guys. Last call. Any, any questions? We have uh, kept Carlos over over the time. Um, but Carlos, if not, if nobody else comes on, um, I do want to say thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed our conversation. It was definitely kind of just a casual conversation, and we, we always love those. Um, and it was awesome to hear what you guys are doing over at Decor and the research you guys are putting out. And uh, I look forward to looking at some of your reports. I was looking at actually the QRDO one uh, last night because that one's kind of popped up on my radar a few times mm-hmm. or last couple of months. Um, so I like how you guys gave them a pretty good score. So it seems like right on the path on that one. Yeah, that, that one was a very good project. I invested in that one. As I told her, like, I invest in all projects above a certain score. Um, I don't put out a lot of money in this one's sake. Uh, with these ones, I don't follow like my main approach. Uh, I'm going for for volume of projects with a chance to succeed. Uh, but that one has done surprisingly well. And I happen to know a couple of the team members personally. Um, they're legit guys. It's a it's a good project. Yeah. Um, well, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I would, I would love an introduction. I'd love to have them on. No pressure. We we can we can. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> um, I've had problems getting them on my own podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how much they're going to listen to me if I try and get them on someone else's podcast. Well, <laughs> they, they might like you better. Who knows? Uh, I, the power of Pokemon, Carlos, it goes a long way. It goes. It, it, go, it does go <laughs> a long way because... <laughs> well, I, I, I sent you Brian. Uh, <laughs> so that, that does work. <laughs> yeah, I second everything uh, Chase said. Just really, really enjoyed the conversation and um, love just learning more about decor and, and everything you guys have going on there. Would just honestly love to stay in touch and, uh, and, and just, yeah, just be part of your, your journey. For sure, that, that'd be great. Like, one of the best things that I found like podcasting in crypto is that uh, you get to have somewhat deep conversations with people you would normally not meet and that's super cool man and i have made a lot of good friends podcasting um definitely keeping in touch with you guys uh, if any chance you want to have me back you just hit me up i really enjoy this yeah definitely and thank you for what you're doing for the people that don't really know where to start on research and don't know how to structure it i know a lot of those people definitely appreciate it especially people that are just now getting into the space so thank you, Carlos. Definitely enjoyed the um, the conversation that we had tonight. Okay, my, my last chill of the night. <laughs> that, that's going to be, if anyone's like a super noob here, if anyone wants to, I, I, looking at your avatars, none of you look like a noob, but like <laughs> you all look pretty fortunate. Um, but if you want to to learn crypto from like the very, very beginning, you can go to decor.net. What the fuck is that? Something just started making a random noise. Ah, okay. So sorry, I'm not in my own house. Uh, decor.net slash guide. If you go there, we have like this guide for noobs, super basic. Goes from like 
what is Bitcoin? Why is this valuable? How do I buy this thing if I'm interested in it? To like more complex topics in DeFi and all. It's like 50 pages. It's super pretty. Uh, so yeah, if anyone wants to check that one out, we'd love you to read it. There's also a gift for anyone that, that reads it. Very based. Thank you so much, Carlos. And I hope you have a based rest of your day. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, you guys are pretty based. Take care, everyone. And thanks to everyone that followed me or Decord through this. I've been taking a look, and there's quite a few of you. So thank you. Let's go. Also, guys, I think we're going to host a uh, community chat. Uh, I'll probably host it for my channel. So if you want to come up and request to speak, or it's going to be like open chat. So if you enjoyed our conversation tonight, we can carry that forward and just more of kind of a casual setting. Um, so I'll, I'll probably go ahead and host that. So feel free to come on over and request if you want to talk. Okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll be listening. I have shit to do, but I'll be listening. Let's go. All right. All right, guys. Stay busy. Everyone to chase the channel. Bye-bye.